Lord, to just think about that, that we would build our life upon that. I want you to think for a minute. Think about Peter. Mm. Just get that scene in your head. He needs those fish to fill that boat. Still a little skeptical. Is he really the Christ? And as those, that boat is filled to the tipping point. And he says, you are the Christ. You know, at that moment, God, I mean, Jesus does not say, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Not that it was revealed to you that I'm Messiah because I blessed you. see his blessings are every day mercies are new every day but it was later on you know even in that moment Peter is saying I'm undone I'm unworthy right like the Isaiah 6 like woe is me kind of attitude he didn't even say I'll build my church on that right we try to get people into a place where they're like feeling sorry, you know, that they did something wrong. Then they can finally come into the kingdom. He didn't say, I'll build my church on that aspect either. It was when Peter looked at Jesus and says, you are the son of the living God. And he was asking them, who do you say that I am? The son. The son. And Jesus then looks at him and then says, on this rock, I will build my church. See, you're built on the sonship. You're built on the sonship to build my life on sonship, to build my life in relationship with Him. Jim, I'm glad you're here this morning. I know it's hard. You know, and you, you, you even said yesterday, you just never know what life's going to bring, do you? And you don't. You never know what life is going to bring. That's why we must build that rock. Build upon the life of a son. As a son in relationship with him. Because we don't. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know the one who holds my hand, right? We used to sing that old song. I know him. And in the midst of it all, he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You know, one thing, Jim, you could take this morning is He's always pursued Sam. He's always pursued you. He's never stopped. And he never will. When he said, I promise to never leave you or forsake you, he never left him. And he never left you. He loves you unconditionally. Loves you so much. You know, that's why we really need to get Hebrews 5.13 into us. To get past the spiritual milk, so to speak. We were meant to walk as sons to help people in their journey. And the world is looking for the answers, and if we don't have the answers... I mean, He is the answer. He is. And we'll say that all day long and say, well, they just need Jesus. They didn't know they need the Jesus in you. You've got to bring it. You have to bring the Jesus. You are to bring kingdom. 
That's why we declare righteousness over you. Romans 4, 5, and 6. Because I believe the word when it says, when that powerful declaration is spoken over you, you become whole. There's no shame in that place. There's no regret. There's no guilt in that place. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. And I want to take us to a place of understanding this righteousness that we have, this righteousness that we're proclaiming, this righteousness that I just said about in Hebrews 5 that's going to take us on past spiritual milk, the one that I talked about in Romans 4 that says that we are going to have complete wholeness come upon us as we get ourselves into that. And... Romans 5.17 that says we will reign in life through that righteousness, right? So this righteousness takes us to, yes, right standing. We try to use that term a lot with righteousness, right standing, but it goes deeper than that. It goes to a place of who you were supposed to be from the very beginning. That is your righteousness, like God is righteousness, right? Like that's who He's always been, not because He never did anything bad, but because He's always who He was supposed to be. Right, And you come back into righteousness, meaning in that righteousness, who you were supposed to be from the very beginning, you now are back in right standing with God in that relationship. Okay, So he brings that, remember we said, it is not that he put righteousness on you, not that he gave you a little bit of righteousness and let you grow into it, you can grow in the knowledge of it, but you became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Right? He became sin who knew no sin so that you might become the righteousness of God. So He gives that to you. You become that. Right? So we want to go deeper. Like, why do we get this? Right? Just so that we can jump around and say, all right, well, I'm free. Yeah, that's good. Is it just so that I could say, well, I ain't got to worry about sin no more? Well, that's good too. Right? We want to be broken from sin. We want to be broken from bondage. But let's go deeper. It is about this relationship. Remember what Jesus said. I can't do anything unless I see the Father do it. I can't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. It was all about relationship, right? We talk about, well, I didn't see a healing here. I didn't see a healing there. And a lot of things that we don't understand is we, a lot of times we're still operating under the management of we got to have specific prayers that work for specific things, right? And we want to hocus pocus. We want to you know, a, a, a kind of ritual or some kind of thing that we can use every time for every situation. And we look at Jesus' life, even whenever He ministered healing to people, He did not minister the same way every time, right? Even the same sickness, He did not minister to the same sickness the same every time. He did it unique to the, what? Individual. As He was walking in relationship with the Father, right? So we have to be in an intimate place, one, to understand ourselves, and then to help others along this journey. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 says this, God is forever faithful and can be trusted to do this, what? In you. For He has invited you to co-share the life of His Son, Jesus, the Anointed One, our King. To do what? What does co-share mean? Together, right? It is not a part. Meaning, I'm, when he says, I will not leave you or forsake you, he meant, I will not leave you or forsake you, right? And then we try to use that excuse, well, what about Jesus on the cross? Like, I don't want a God like that because God, Jesus is screaming out, my God, my God, why are you forsaking me, right? What is he quoting? He's quoting Psalms, right? For them to understand that the end of that Psalm was not that God left him, but that God was always there from the beginning. Then Paul tells us in Acts that, where was God? He was in Christ reconciling the world back to Himself in that moment. What was He doing? He was filling our delusions. He was filling us. He was filling what we feel, the forsakenness of if He had to die for all things, He had to die for all things to redeem all things. So one of the things that we feel is what? Abandonment. If He didn't feel abandonment, He would not be able to redeem us from abandonment. So He went through that to feel it, but God did not go anywhere. He had never left him. He never forsaken him. And he's not leaving you. And he's not forsaking you. He's promised to be with you. Even when you feel like he is not there, he is. And he has called us into a light to say, I'm co-sharing, co-being with, right? The fellowship with him. 1 John chapter 1, 
not John, but 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. We saw him with our very own eyes. We gazed upon him and heard him speak. Who is he? Say it loud. Our hands actually touched him, the one who was from the beginning, the living expression of God. This life giver. So again, we want to know if it's from Jesus or not. Does it bring life? Does it bring life? Then you know it was from Him. If it doesn't bring life, it wasn't from Him. Was made visible. And we have seen Him. We testify to His truth. The eternal life giver. Lived what? Face to face. If you go back to John, the word pros, with means mouth to mouth. Like that's how close. With the Father. And has now dawned upon us. So what? So we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard about this life giver. Why? So that we may share. Say share. So that we may what? Share. Say share. I want you to get it. This is not an alone thing. This is all about being it together. So that we may share and enjoy this life together. Not in the sweet by and by, in the dirty muck and grime of the day-to-day life. For truly our, what? Fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus, the Anointed One. The word fellowship there, we sometimes get that, you know, you grew up Baptist, we have a fellowship. We even have a fellowship hall where we eat again. The word fellowship there is not even close to that. Fellowship here is in close proximity with the perichoresis dance of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is close proximity. Just as he said here, they were what? Face to face. In John chapter 1, they were what? Pros. They were mouth to mouth. Close proximity. Right? As in a woman and a man relationally close proximity. Okay? So that's what he talks about. When he talks about fellowship, and he includes the whole circle. That includes Father. That includes Son. That includes Holy Spirit. It also includes the Word of God. That's the fellowship, the intimacy that he's talking about here. So, look at what he says again. For truly our... Now let's swap that out with a better word, a term that we use, that we don't use and have in our English language that the Greek did... For our truly, our intimate encounter and experience. Remember we talk about that experience? It needs to go beyond head knowledge to heart knowledge. And you can't do it till you do what? Experience it. Until you experience it. Right? So once you do that and experience it, it becomes from mind to heart. Here's the knower. Remember, it's not the knower. This is the knower. It's got to go from here to here into the knower. Right? So how does that happen? Through relationship, through experience, through life. Right? When the rubber meets the road, so to speak, that's when you know if you really believe it or not. Right? Right? We mourned as a church too this week. We love Pastor Bill. Right? Even though we've never met him feel like we've known him our whole life, right? And born with him and his wife, right? They fought the good fight. She had cancer, fought all year. And sometimes we don't understand, right? You'd think, if anybody's going to get healed, it's going to be her. <laughs> and then she didn't, right? On this side. Now she's completely free. She's completely whole, Right? But as the church made a declaration on Saturday that said, just as Benny taught us, we fought hard with her to the end. Right? We may not understand it. We may not get it all. We may not win all the battles. But we know in the end, it's all going to be all right. But our job is to fight to the end. Right? In what? Fellowship. Intimacy. Intimate fellowship, right? The word eternal life used in these four in these four verses right here, eternal life, just like in John seventeen three, right? We know John three sixteen, 
Right? For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son that whoever believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life, everlasting life. Right? Then John 17, 3, in case we don't know what eternal life is because we think it's just living forever. He says, eternal life is this, to know the Father and His Son, what? Intimately. Intimately, that's the fellowship word here. Right? Fellowship, communion, those are interlocking words throughout the New Testament. Fellowship, communion. It's a weird word that starts with a K that I can't hardly pronounce, so I'm not even going to try to this morning. But that is the word that it comes together and brings the word communion and fellowship together. Right? So, look down with me to chapter 5. Still in 1 John. Go down to chapter 5. When he uses that term in... Verses 1 through 4 that we just read in 1 John, eternal life, it still means intimacy. It still means fellowship. Okay? So, all this is about that inner circle that we talk about all the time, a perichoresis, that great dance, is all talking about that flow. Now, verse 5, I mean, verse 12 of chapter 5, he says this Whoever has the Son has what? Does that live in forever? No, it's the same word again that means what? intimacy and fellowship right and again fellowship does not mean bring your favorite dish and we're going to have a fellowship after church tonight it means this intimacy face to face encounters and experiences of living life together that's a big mouthful for such a little word and we don't think about when we think about fellowship we thinking about I'm about to get my casserole dish out right that's not what we're talking about. We've got to get this in our head, what he's meaning by the word fellowship. So he says whoever has the Son has this fellowship, has this intimacy, has this encounter, has this life on earth that you can experience him day after day after day after day after moment after moment after moment, meaning that he will never leave you nor forsake you. The only reason you may not think he's there is because your thought process. There's something wrong with your thought process. It's not because he ever left. Got it? So whenever you think he left you because you're going through something hard, he didn't. That's your thoughts. That's your thought process, and that came from Adam and Eve. He redeemed that nature from you and gave you the mind of Christ. Gave you a new mind. Think differently, right? So whoever has the Son has that same fellowship. Whoever does not have the Son does not possess that same fellowship. You got to have it. Right? It is the co-sharing. Like, meaning you became son too. You understand co-sharing goes deeper than just, hey, we're going to walk hands together and just, you know, like the little kids on the playground. We're just singing and dancing and playing. It's more than just we walk in this thing together. I become him and he became me. Like, I'm in him, he's in me, meaning we merged. Right? As you sing old Bible school songs, submerge, and you say, merge. We merge together. <laughs> All right? We come together. We are one. That's the co sharing, meaning we have the same life, meaning I am also the Son of God. Right? Now hold on. You speaking anti Christ? No. I'm saying He's in you, you in Him. You believe what the Word said? Then are you going to walk as a son? Or are you going to walk as a slave? And Hebrew says it's time to kick that out the camp. Can't have that mentality anymore. Right? I would go on to say if you are under teaching like that and you're at a place that's teaching like that, I would say get out from under. Because he said kick it out. Don't subject yourself to that. So, again, look at all the teaching you do and do during the week. If it's mixing it, get out from under it. Get out from under it. Can't have it. Got to kick it out of the camp. Okay? So, fellowship, intimacy. The other word that is brought in with this is a word that we don't use a lot, and it is this word, bliss. What does bliss mean? Joy. What else? Happy. What do you think about when you think about bliss? Peaceful. You think about frowning? 
You think about mad? Think about down in the dumps? No. Why? Because bliss means you can see it on the person, right? It's overflowing out of that person, right? The joy is unspeakable, like Paul talks about. So the word in that that we have not used yet in that fellowship is this, bliss. Okay, So you get fellowship, you get intimacy, and you get bliss in that. Meaning it should take you just over the top. Like sometimes you might, not, you might laugh and you don't even know why you're laughing. Right? Because that's what Holy Spirit should do to you. Like you laugh when other people don't even laugh. Why? What? Yeah. You're co-sharing with Him. Like, that should be over the top. But yet we look at our circumstances more than we're looking at this new relationship I got with Him. Like, what could beat that? The King of Kings says, I want to be in you and you in me. What could be better than that? So if we're still looking at our circumstances, that means we don't really believe that. We don't really believe He's in me and I'm in Him. Do you see what I'm saying? Because if we actually believe that, then our life would look a lot different. The things that we did would look a lot different. The, the, the faith walk would look a lot different. The stepping out in faith would look a lot different. Right? We wouldn't be so scared. We wouldn't be so holding it back. We'd say, I just let somebody else do that. Let pastor do that. I lay past the job just to do it all the time. It's for a body to grow up in Christ so that we all are walking as sons. Right? You can't always count on me because I ain't always going to be there. But you know who is the son in you and you in the son? That's a hundred. That's one hundred. One hundred. <laughs> all the time. Like you can't get out of that. Like it's in you. Okay? So... Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. So I said you got fellowship with Father. I said you got fellowship with Son and Holy Spirit. And then I said one at the end. I said, but you also got fellowship with what? Who remember what I said? Say it loud. I heard you. Say it loud. They can't hear you. The Word. The Word. Word up. All right. <laughs> So, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. What did he say about the Word? He answered the Scripture saying, Bread alone will not satisfy, but true life is found in every word that constantly goes forth from God's mouth. Meaning, there is something that I can live on. So now I have intimacy with Father. I have intimacy with the Son. I have intimacy with the Holy Spirit. In that perichoresis, dance and great fellowship, intimacy, one with one another. But I also have food that I can eat upon during the day, every day. Right? That word there, when it says word, is rhema. R-H-E-M-A, rhema, word. I'll get a rhema word means a freshly spoken word. That does not necessarily mean just this Bible word. Okay, It means it's a freshly spoken word. That God spoke something to me in my heart. It can be a word from here that He might speak from me. But He also may speak to me about my job today. He may speak to me about so and so down the street today. He may speak to me about I need to go pray with somebody. He may speak to me about I need to have peace and quit choosing the way I'm choosing about things. All kinds of things. Okay, Those are rhema words. That means I live on that. Right? If I'm going throughout the day not receiving any word, that it's just a one-way communication, meaning I give him what I want and then I go on about my lifestyle, then you're not living. You're not living. And you're surely not getting fed. I thought the pastor does that on Sunday. Mm -mm, I can't give you enough food to last you all week. You have to get the freshly spoken word from God daily. Okay? Now, there's two types of words. That is the rhema word that we live on. Look at the other part of the word, Revelation 12, 11, that we have intimacy with. We get two parts, two different kinds of word that we get to live upon and have fellowship with. Rome, I mean, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Familiar passage to a lot of us. We quote it all the time. They conquered him completely through the blood of the Lamb 
and the powerful word of his testimony. They triumphed because they did not love and cling to their own lives even when faced with death. The word there, when it says the powerful word of his testimony, that's logos. This is the word logos here when it says word. Word, logos, is written word, but it is also the name of Jesus. Rhema word is not the name of Jesus. Logos word is the name of Jesus, and it, it, it entitles everything that he is. Right? It is also the written word. Okay? So, meaning this. If I'm living by the word of my testimony, meaning I'm believing that what he did for me Lines up with Scripture because I knew He would. He promised me He would. That's His character. I'm talking about Him. He brought me through. Right? I'm not talking about luck. I'm not talking about I got by with the skin of my teeth. You know you had those situations. Man, it's daily that I do that when I drive. If y'all know how fast I drive, you know what I'm talking about. I'm like, man, that was a close call. I was like, thank you, Lord. He had all them angels around me because I was just so stupid. Right? Not, well, that wasn't lucky. I don't ever say that was lucky. Boy, every time I get a close call like that, I just start thinking, thank you, Father, that your angels around me, even when I didn't even think about calling them and, and inviting them in because I was so stupid in it. Like I just automatically, right? That's a word of my testimony. <laughs> Where my testimony right now? If he did it for me, he can do it for you. If he did it for me, he can do it for you. Right? That spirit of prophecy is that testimony. Right? So that's the Logos word. So we have intimacy with Rhema, which feeds us. Right? But then we have intimacy with Logos, which conquers. But that's, that's huge. Like... There ain't nobody in this room that I don't know would like to conquer a problem right now. And if you say you don't have a problem in this room, you're lying to yourself. <laughs> or you ain't living, you just laying in the bed every day. You want to, I mean, there's got to be something. I mean, you got kids, you got grandkids, you got brothers, sisters, you got workers, co workers got problems everywhere and if you don't have no problems in your inner circle count yourself blessed and turn on the news and then you'll find something to pray about okay there's something everywhere there's problems right (laughs) problems everywhere but guess who is giving you the ability to solve the problem it's Christ in you the hope of glory. You had that intimacy to get the rhema word, but then you also had the logos word that you get to conquer with the word of your testimony. Okay? So those are the four things that we are in intimate relationship with, right? If you want to divide the two words up, you can say five. Okay? So, now, that was my introduction. Let's go on into saying why that applies to us today. Why y'all looking so weird when I say that's the introduction? Y'all know I ain't lying. (laughs) And I even cut out Hebrew 5.13, Romans 4, 5, 6, and 5.17. I didn't even say those today, other than I mentioned them. All right. I'm taking my coffee break because I'm going to turn on the fire hydrant. Hope y'all ready. If you need to drink a cup of coffee, you need to stand up, you need to take a deep breath, whatever you need to do, just open your mouth and receive this fire hydrant word you're about to get. All right. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, And in love He chose us when? When did He choose us? Before. That means He knew you when. Before He laid the foundation of the whole entire universe. Because of His great love, He ordained us. Why? So that we would be seen as holy in His eyes with an unstained innocence. You talk about a righteousness that you've been given. He knew you before you were even put on this earth and said, I claim you innocent, without blemish, no faults, but you don't know what I did. I don't care what you did. You're saying that His blood is not enough and His blood is speaking better things. And you've got to start lining your mouth up with what His mouth says. 
That rhema word and that logos word needs to start coming out your own mouth. Right? Because He didn't give you the rhema word just so you could sit there and keep it on the inside. You receive the rhema word so that the rhema word is now presented out into this world. Okay? Got it? No? Yes? Alright, Ephesians 5.25. Go over a couple chapters. 5.25 And to the husbands you are to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us. Which is who? Who are we? He is what? His bride. For He died for us doing what? Sacrificing Himself to make us holy. He also made us pure. And He was cleansing us. Now check this out. Through the showering of the pure water of the Word of God. Get in that Word. Right? Both words. Right? I don't want to just read this because he told, the, he told the religious leaders, you study this thing frontwards and backwards and you don't even know me. Right? So that's why it's both. That's why you need Logos and Rhema. Right? That's why you're getting into Him, but you're also getting into this. Right? So you got to be, right? Like I'm trying to teach Eli this week. He went to church camp. And I was like, what did, uh, what did the Holy Spirit speak to you? And um, he said, well, I really like what the pastor said. And he gave us an example. And it was an awesome little example. And I said, I love that example. I said, now what did the Holy Spirit tell you about that example for you? And then he told me. I said, that's understanding the word penetrating to you, right? We don't listen just to hurry up and get finished. We don't listen so that we finally read a book or we finally listen to another sermon. We read to change. What is Holy Spirit speaking to me? So as I'm listening, right, what is Holy Spirit speaking to you? As I'm speaking this morning, what is Holy Spirit penetrating to your heart this morning? Because each individual in this room, He's trying to convince you that this is true. And He is weaving and He is working in your heart in every different way across this whole room this morning to speak to your heart through His Word, right? Through His Logos Word and through His Rhema Word, washing you, cleansing you, right? That's why whenever it says in that passage that we've been reading in Romans chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, that as God's powerful declaration of righteousness is spoken over you, you become whole. Why? The Word washes you. It washes you. Right? But we keep wanting to put on what the world says. Well, I like this. And, you know, they said this about me. and Oh, so-and-so, I'm mad at them. and This happened in my life. Right? And half the fights you have with your spouse, they didn't even say it, but you heard it because the enemy used whatever they said and added about 40 other things on the end of it. Didn't they, Julie? That's what she told me this week. She said, are you listening to me or are you listening to the enemy? I said, I listen to the enemy right now, but in a minute I'm going to listen to you. Let me have my moment. She said, you know you stuck it out to the end. I tried. I know, I'm confessing. Good for the soul. Feels good. First John chapter 1, by the way. Actually, in that same passage, verses 1 through 4, going down to I think it's verse 8. Confess your sins. <laughs> Woo! It's hot up in here. Colossians 1 21. You know why Brent and them turn that air down, don't they want you? Know what it, they want you to know what it feels like so you don't go there. <laughs> well, it's a good thing he said if you look warm, I'll spit you out of my mouth because, brother, we burning up. We ain't cold and we ain't lukewarm. We are hot. Colossians 1. Colossians 1 verse 21 says this, Even though you were once, say it with me, once, past tense, once, distance from Him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, He reconnected you back to who? Himself. 
He released His supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of His own. Now let me just say this. If He's in you and He's releasing this peace to you and you don't feel the peace, where's the problem? Either you don't put a kink in your hose or you turn the faucet off because it ain't Him. You know, even when my hose is connected to the faucet, the source is still coming. I can turn it off or I can turn it on. It didn't stop the source coming to my house, though. The source coming to your house is never ending, never stopping flow. And it's better than North Franklin water, let me tell you. It ain't got no rust in it. It's pure. And it's coming at you at everything it has. And the only reason it is not being released to you is either you kinked it or you turned it off. That's it. That's the word. It's right there. He's released it. Supernatural peace. Not the peace that the world gives you like Jesus says. It's not the peace the world gives you. It's my peace. To you through the sacrifice of His own body as the sin payment on your behalf. Why? So that you would dwell in His presence. When? In the sweet by and by? No, in the right now. And now there is nothing between you and Father God. For He sees you as holy. He sees you as flawless. He sees you as restored. If indeed you continue to advance in faith, assured of a firm foundation to grow upon, never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you have believed in. What's the hope of the gospel you believed in? What I just read. What I just read, that's the hope of the gospel. Never be shaken from that hope. And this is the glorious news I preach all over the world. Why was Paul beaten? This message. This message right here. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 23. Now it's time to be made new. Now, when? It's time to be doing what? Made new. Not old. All the old things did what? They passed away. By every revelation that's doing what? Given to you. That's that rhema word. That's the rhema word. The revelation is the rhema. It's not the logos. Right? Because I can read and not have a revelation. You see what I'm saying? Like I can read the word and not get a revelation whatsoever. Because I'm just reading to read. I got to just check my box off. But to get the revelation is the rhema word. Okay? So now it's time to be made new by the what? By that rhema. Okay? That's been given to who? You. And to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ where? Within. I mean, you got to embrace it. You can't keep denying it. You can't say, but I don't feel it. It's not about feelings. It's about believing. Don't stop believing within as your new life and live in union where? With Him. For God has recreated you all over again in His perfect righteousness and you now belong to Him in the realm of true holiness. Bro, that should light your fire. Man, like we should be so caught up with this. We should be so excited about this. We should wake up and our feet just can't wait to hit the ground to tell people about this. You know why we not? Because we ain't been convinced of it yet. We're still at a distance. Like I I think about putting my toes in it. But the first little problem that comes along in this world, I take my toes back out. Ooh, I don't... This, this, this ain't right. This ain't right. This ain't right. Somebody told me a lie. That Bible, it ain't true. It's for later on in life. It ain't for now. And Brian don't know what he's talking about. It ain't Brian. I'm just reading to you. I'm telling you what the Word says. Right? In the realm of true holiness. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now may the God who brought us peace by raising from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? So that He would be the great shepherd of His flock. And by the power of the blood of the eternal covenant, may He work what in you? 
perfection, not just in your heart, into every part of you, giving you how much? All that you need to fulfill your destiny. And may He express through you all that is excellent and pleasing to Him through your life union with Jesus, the Anointed One who is to receive all glory forever. Amen. There was a destiny. There was a scroll. There was a book that was written over you and He's given you every resource to make sure it happens. The only reason it don't is because we choose not to. Is we choose not to believe it. We believe the lie instead which empowers the liar. Go with me to one of my favorite books, Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this gracious work in you will do what? He'll faithfully continue the process of maturing you until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning what? You should be going from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. You should not be going backwards and backwards and backwards. You're not supposed to go up and go down. You should be going from glory to glory to glory to glory. The only reason we're not going to glory, glory, glory is we are not choosing what He's already done. Not choosing that we tried to make something happen. We're not choosing what is all ready being spoken. The Word's got to do it. Right? Go with me to uh, chapter 2, verse 13. Chapter 2, verse 13. God will continually, say with me, continually revitalize you and planting within you the passion to do what pleases Him. Like, when you lose that passion, when we become lukewarm, He says, I will put it back in you and I will reignite that fire so that you will continue to press on and on and on and on. Right? He don't want you to be living like blah. He don't want you to be living like we feel right now with all this hot sweat coming down off of it. Right? We're just going back to the glory days, boys. Remember when they were shouting and towels wiping them? I just need y'all to join in some amens and hallelujahs and we'll be having some church, real old-fashioned church in here. As long as I got King Jesus. Come on. Come on, Dad. Get on that keyboard. All right. 1 Peter 5.10. 1 What time is it? Oh, we got 20 more minutes. All right, 1 Peter 5.10. And then after your brief suffering, the God of all loving grace, who has called you to share in His eternal glory, where? In Christ. Or personally, so personally, that's at the encounter, and powerfully do what? Restore. You and make you stronger than ever. So whatever you're going through today, He says it will set you firmly in place and then build you up. Build upon that rock. What? Of the Son. He will place you there. He will put you there. Right? Even it says what? In this tribulation. In this thing that you're suffering in. Be, stay with Him. Stay with Him through it. Stay with Him. Don't leave Him. Got it? Don't leave Him. He's not leaving you. You may feel it. It's only for the season. And trust Him through it. And then He's going to do what? He's going to do what? Better than before. Stronger than before. Alright? Ephesians 5. I thought we already read that. No, we read Ephesians 1, 2, 3, 4. Now we're on Ephesians 5. Nah, I just Y'all ain't too uh, jokeful today. Again, got to concentrate on the Word. Don't concentrate on your circumstance. See, this is a test. We did this on purpose today. Not really, because I'm about to just drip. Be imitators of God in what? Everything you do. For then you will represent your Father as His beloved what? Sons and daughters. Why? Because it's about relationship again. Fellowship. And continue to walk surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ for He surrendered His life as a sacrifice for us. What? His great love for us. 
was pleasing to God, like an aroma of adoration, a sweet healing fragrance. So if in all this fellowship of what we're getting, what was the sweet aroma in that fellowship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? His what? Yeah, His adoration, His love for who? You. And then it says right before that, be imitators of that. So how do we know we're walking in complete fellowship with Him? How do we know? How do we know we're walking in complete fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and the Word? How do we know? Our love for one another. Isn't that what John told us? Now what Jesus says, and the world will know that I am real when they see that? What's this whole fellowship for? To bring us into bliss with them so that now we're experiencing that bliss with each other. Fellowship. Face to face. Intimacy. Encounters. Like He didn't give you this for you to just bottle it up inside your house and say, it's all mine. No. It's not. It's for you to give away to the world. Right? We just sang we just sang that song. My child of love. Right? Why are we that child of love? So that we can give the love. Right? This just reminds me, she comes up here like I like I never thought, like how could you love more than Eli? And we had Lydia. And I was like Man, I don't think you can have that much love for more than two. Then we had Ezra. And I said, you surely can't have no more love than three. And then we had sweet little Monty. And I said, surely it can't. So I'm here to tell you that we're going to have... I'm just kidding. I had no more. Psych! I just want to make sure y'all listening today. That y'all act like y'all not... <laughs> oh, but we might. Her social worker found us the other day. <laughs> so she might be called next day. You never know. We'll take four or five more. They don't mind. Because where I was going with that was, seriously, the more you love, it seems like you grow in it. Like, the more you give it, it's like it expands. Like, you didn't think. Like, there's no possible way I could love that many. Like, but you do. And it just keeps growing. Like, and it's biblical, it's kingdom. The more you love others, the more it's growing in you, right? So, 1 John 4, which is what he reminds us right here. 1 John 4, verse 17. By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us. Why? So that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is, mm, so are we in this world. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. That fellowship is bringing us all into that. That intimacy is bringing us all into that. So let's close with this last verse, Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. I'll get to it in a minute. Verse 9. For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. Sounds just like the Hebrew chapter, don't And our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled. Say completely. Completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows where? Within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe and through our union with Him, we have experienced circumcision of heart, meaning all flesh cut off, all of the guilt, 
All the power of sin has been, past tense, cut away. And is when now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. Why did he accomplish this? Not so we can just hold it in. So we can have fellowship with them. Remember fellowship? Intimate communion bliss with them and with one another. When do we know it's complete in us? When it's for one another. 1 Timothy 1 says that is our goal is to become love. Let's pray. God, you're so good to us. In fact, you're better than we think. You're better than we have processed in our minds. You're better than our situation that we are facing right now. You're better than anything the world has to offer. And your blood is speaking better things this morning. Your blood has made us brand new. Brought us into complete union. Communion. Blissful harmony. Intimacy. Face-to-face encounter with you. And it continues to speak better things this morning. We thank you for your word that speaks to our hearts. It cleanses us washes over us, feeds us, and helps us to overcome. We surrender, we consecrate ourselves to your word this morning and to everything that you have for us. Ignite it in us that it come alive in us that it no longer just be about words on a page. That, Father, we come into real intimacy with you. Not just an encounter on Sunday morning, but that we live it every day. So we welcome you, Father. We welcome you, Son. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you with your word. To take us in that great dance of glory to glory to glory. We welcome you to shift our thinking. We welcome you to take us to new heights. We welcome you to take us from glory to glory. We welcome your perfect peace that you promised to give us. We thank you for the mind of Christ that you have given us. We thank you that you became sin who knew no sin so that we would become the righteousness of God. We thank you that you first loved us so we know how to love. We thank you, God, that we have become love just as you are love. And we thank you that the world is finally going to see who you really are. Because of our love for one another. In Jesus' name. Let's just stand and worship for a minute. Just let that word speak over you. Knowing that His blood is speaking better things this morning. It's speaking more than anything that you could hope for. It's speaking more than your problems. It's speaking more than your situation. His blood is speaking better things.